It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It was supposed to be an exciting new era of Colts football that was ushered in on Sunday, but instead they looked incredibly dull for much of the game and eventually fought back for a tie. We'll tell you exactly what happened, but why you can still have some cautious optimism. Let's get to it. You are locked on Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Colts fans, thanks so much for tuning in and making us your number one listen of the day. Maybe. Well, it's later in the day, but yeah, <laughs> we thank you anyways. Uh, this is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Jake Arthur, joined by Zach Hicks here. Uh, you know the two of us from HorseshoeHuddle.com, of course. We're coming to you live today after the game. I uh, probably gonna have to live with any flubs since we can't edit out live action, but you're in, you're in for the ride with us. Uh, yeah, so we're obviously gonna talk about this uh, Colts non-win in Week One against the Houston Texans. Uh, feels a lot like a loss. I don't know. Yeah, if it's not a win, it feels like a loss to me. I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, but 2020 in overtime, uh, the Colts did fight back. They were down three to 20 at one point. Came back in the fourth quarter. But not enough. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of break down specifically some things offensively and defensively, and then what we think they can improve on to to rebound moving forward. Uh, so the Colts, everyone knows by now, they haven't won during Week One since 2013. There has been so much talk about getting this win under their belt all off season. They moved things around during training camp, this and that. It's just been a huge theme. And not only did they not win, they came out looking just so uninspired. Like it, it immediately was shades of week 18 versus Jacksonville. It was just like, you look at your, how can this be what they look like right now? Like no one was on fire. We'll talk about it in a bit, but there was only a few players who you felt good about going through like the first half. And it, it just was ugly. What do you think? Ugly is the best way to describe it. Uh, honestly, it, I know if you guys are following my Twitter account, it just became hopeless, like pessimism and, <laughs> and memes and stuff like that from the second quarter to the you know to the early fourth quarter. Uh, the Colts did battle back, and you know I think that that does show some resiliency. I mean, it's hard to come back from down three scores going into the fourth quarter. I think it was three scores going into the fourth or towards the end of the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously they put themselves in a position to win it in overtime. They should have won this game if they had a real kicker. So, you know, I'm not going to put all the blame on a certain kicker for this because there are a lot of issues. The game should never have been this close against a team that what won four games last season. Uh, but, man, it's just a tough one. You, you can't you can't come out the way that they did. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny. We talk about this long losing streak they've had. And in these long losing streaks in week one, they typically started the games pretty well. And, you know, 2020 against Jacksonville, they came out and scored on their first drive. 
uh, last year against the Seahawks, they went right down into the, you know, within the 10 yard line uh, on the first drive. Uh, I think even uh, with Jacoby Brissett, they went down and scored on the first drive against the Chargers. Uh, it's just, they came out so sloppy and so slow and it looked so ugly. I mean, the run game just looked terrible. Matt Ryan looked out of sync. Uh, I mean, they kept running the ball into a brick wall too to start the game. <laughs> yeah. It was it was brutal. Uh, the defense played pretty well to start, but it looked mostly because the the Texans' offense just is not good. I mean, it's not a good offense they played against. Uh, honestly, the Texans only scored twice because of two pass interference calls uh, in this game as well. Uh, it was just – it's a game that never should have been this close. Indy should have won, and we'd be feeling a lot better if a certain someone made their kick. Uh, but we would still be talking about the same issues. You know, there's still a lot of issues that that showed up in this game, a lot of fixable issues. But when you're yeah. a veteran team that's saying all chips in, you're bringing all these tie-in free agents, you know, Stefan Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe, Matt Ryan, you can't have games like this against a team that's probably going to be towards the bottom of the league and wins. I mean, I thought they played well. I'm not trying to say anything bad about the Texans. They played pretty well. Uh, but this is not a super talented team that you kind of let hang around the whole game and you end up tying them. Yeah, no, the, the end result is inexcusable. And with a tie, you obviously look at like there's a there's a million what ifs throughout the game when literally one point would have made the difference. When I look at this game, I just am looking at the, those self-inflicted wounds, of course. Um, yep. I, I've actually had a lot of people respond about Frank Reich specifically on this one. And on a bigger level, that's absolutely true. Like they just they can't win these week one games uh, coming out looking this flat was again inexcusable like it's there there's something that's gotta that's gotta click somewhere but man you're talking about i think matt ryan was credited with four fumbles most of them were just dropped snaps including shotgun snaps that was those weren't necessarily killers but they had the uh downs deep inside texans territory alec pierce drop drops the easy touchdown um, there was just really stupid penalties here and there. Like there was just really uncharacteristic things. There, there was a thousand opportunities for someone to make one play or just not make a big mistake that would have changed the game. Uh, what do you think? I'm, I'm really interested to see what you think about that. Like Frank Reich wasn't spotless in this by any means, but I don't hang this loss on him. No, you, you and I spoke right before we started recording that, you know, when it comes to Frank Reich, we are kind of seeing a lot of issues repeat themselves. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of issues. We're seeing the cutesy play calling on the one yard on fourth and one when you have the best running back in football. You know, you can't. That, that's an ugly, ugly call, and it was an ugly result. Uh, and and you don't want to see that happen. And you're seeing, you know, again, these guys starting out lethargic and and against an inferior opponent. Uh, you know, kind of carrying over from that Jacksonville game. You're seeing uh, kind of miscommunications and stuff. You're seeing guys not getting. You know, they had to call I think two timeouts in this game because they couldn't get the snap off late in, late in the play clock. A lot of issues where it's like, look, as a head coach going on to your fifth year with the team, we can't be seeing these same issues, especially with an older team. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, they have a lot of veterans on this team. You can't just see the same excuses over and over again. But I, I agree with you. I think more of an issue in this game was the self-inflicted wounds, you know, and that doesn't really particularly go to the court or go to the, the head coach, you know, uh, self-inflicted wounds from a, a weird interception on a screenplay, uh, self-inflicted yeah. wounds from dropping a bunch of snaps. Uh, self-inflicted penalties, you know, Braden Smith giving up that huge sack as well. Uh, defense, With a false you know, Kenny, start right after. Right, right. Yeah. Kenny Moore having two long defensive pass interference calls that, that gave the Texans their two touchdowns. Uh, linebackers not matching uh, up the field on play action seam routes to a tight end. 
uh, a lot of self-inflicted wounds where these these players need to make plays. You know, these are players that you're paying a lot of money to. You know, particularly looking at this offensive line, you're paying them the most in all of football. You know, these three players on the offensive line, you're giving them all near twenty million dollars a year each, mm-hmm. uh, and they did not come out and play well at all. So I, I do think coaching and and front office do deserve a lot of blame for a game like this, but. At the end of the day, I don't want to absolve, absolve the players because the players didn't come out and play well outside of we're going to talk about with our other sections outside of Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor, and Grover Stewart. Those are the only three players that, from start to finish, looked awesome. Outside of that, the rest of these players, uh, I think they all deserve their fair share of blame. Yeah, and honestly, it was a productive day. Otherwise, it just kind of shows you the the razor thin margin for error. Like offensively, they had 517 yards. 340 passing and 177 rushing. If you told them that going into each game, they would take that every week at face value. But then you say, you know, you had, you had these penalties, you had these drops, these turnovers. And then, you know, it's, it's just such a, such a razor thin thing. Um, Yes. (laughs) Um, I I was, I was also going to go ahead and and mention, we've, we've got to talk about it. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship. You know, he's he was spotless going into into late in the game and then in overtime, of course, starts it out. His kickoff goes out of bounds. That's a 15 yard penalty for the defense in, in a in a situation where there can be no mistakes, because if if they go down and score the touchdown on the first drive game over and then the Colts have the opportunity for a 42 yarder to win the game, never had a chance wide. Right. It was it was terrible. So. Is it serious enough to where they need to make a change right now? Yes. Or what else can be done? I mean, you got to make a change. Y- yeah. You, you yeah. have to. It, it's, we're not, it's not just one kick. It's two years. No, it's definitely not. Kicks. Yeah. It's not just one kick. It's, it's multiple years where you just can't trust him at all. I mean, the Colts have had kicking issues dating back to 2019. You know, uh, that was the Adam Vinatieri year where it was just bad. You know, Vinatieri yeah. was obviously cooked and it was just terrible. Uh, the Colts, I think there was a stat that went out that the Colts have had the uh, the fifth lowest percentage in field goal kicks made since then, since 2019. Uh, mm. And that showed itself again today. I mean, you, you <laughs> kickers have one job. <laughs> you guys know me. Uh, and I know it's the last point we're going to talk about the second one because we're going a little bit long here. But this is kickers have one job. You have to make these these kicks. This is these are the moments that this is the whole reason why you get paid millions of dollars is to make these kicks. It's the only thing you you go out there a couple times a game, and in the what six snaps that Blankenship had this game, he failed on three of them. You know, two kickoffs out of bounds and miss a game winning kick. I mean, that you just can't have that. You no matter who you're bringing in, you have to make a change after this because how do you look players in the locker room where it's like, hey, you had this great fourth quarter, you came all the way back. Yes, you started slow, but you everyone was playing well in the fourth. Everyone was playing well in overtime. You fought all the way back. You were doing everything right. And the game still ends in a tie because your kicker just can't make a kick. That, I don't know how you look at that. I mean, it's it's tough. And and I just – I don't know how you bring it back. It's Again, this is not a one-year issue. This is a two, three – what, this is third year, actually. I think, so I think it's like a three-year issue with him. It's just not working. And you have to – you have to just bring in anybody else at this point because it really can't be worse. Yeah, he, he's had competition pretty much every year so far. So it kind of shows they've never been, you know, 100% confident in him. But, you know, when it comes to completing the job and, and doing the task at hand, marriage proposals go right with that, guys. 
Uh, I was just over before the game at Bright at Brightco's website, Bright.co, watching this video of an engagement fail. Uh, this guy's going to propose at a Yankees game. We've seen that a billion times. But plot twist: the ring drops on the dirty ground at a ball game. No one wants to look for that. Suddenly, the whole section is having to look for this ring, and the secondhand embarrassment is just too real. They eventually found it, but for instances like that where disaster strikes, Brightco's got your back. We all hate insurance, right? As, except for those of you who work in the insurance industry watching this, you guys are great. Don't worry about it. But the guys at, at Brightco turned the whole experience around. So it's probably the easiest thing you can do for yourself this week. No excuses, man. For five bucks a month, you go totally comprehensive on your coverage, and it won't take you more than two minutes on your cell phone. Check it out, bright.co forward slash locked on. You've got to check out that video I was talking about. Brightco has a bunch of these hilarious videos that you can see for yourself at bright.co forward slash locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Colts offense was not locked in at all for uh, pretty much the whole game, the first few quarters. So uh, what was your first impression of the Matt Ryan era? It was all right. <laughs> it was, I don't. I know. I, I know a lot of people. Look, at the end of the day, when you lose a game or you tie a game against a team you should have beat, so it kind of comes off as a loss. Mm-hmm. A lot of the blame goes to the head coach and the quarterback. That's where it all will go. And I completely understand anyone saying that Matt Ryan was not what you expected in this game. Uh, for me, those first three quarters were not great. Uh, you know, again, a lot of fumbled snaps. The interception was very. Uh, what we were trying to get away from this year was an interception like that. So that was awful to see. Uh, But I think for the most part, when you factor in how well he played in the fourth quarter and overtime, you know, he brought the Colts all the way back again against a team that they probably shouldn't have been in that situation. But in the NFL, again, it's tough to come back from down three scores and they came and they erased that within a quarter and, and put themselves in a position to win in overtime. So I think, you know, the Colts did show some resiliency and a lot of that was because of Matt Ryan's play, but, you want to see it a little more crisp, a little bit better going into next week, especially against a team where, you know, they have another curse they have to break next week. So you want to see that a little bit better uh, with Matt Ryan. But I think, you know, we kind of said it before we recorded. I think it's very 2020 Philip Rivers game uh, yeah. against the, the Jaguars. You know, that first that first game where, yes, Rivers wasn't great. It wasn't super clean, but he was far from the reason that they lost that game. Uh, I think it kind of the same thing applies here where Matt Ryan – I think it was an all right game. Uh, you want to see better, but I'm not going to kill him as the main reason why they lost this one. Yeah, I, and I'm, I love that that comparison you made to 2020 Philip Rivers. There were some good and some bad with it. Like there were all the fumbles and just simple stuff like drop snaps, and the interception wasn't the greatest optics. But yeah. I mean, compared to some of the other quarterback play the Colts have had the last couple of years, guys like Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz probably don't get the Colts back into the game and tie it like Matt Ryan did. Like, right. I thought Ryan started to get really comfortable in that fourth quarter when the, the desperation was up a little bit, the tempo got a little higher 
he was starting to find guys. I, th- I thought he settled in really well there. It probably wasn't as good as a performance as everyone hoped that week one would be, but like, it's going to be fine. I'm not worried about that at all. Now, someone who is there, there was no question about at all was Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he had another huge game. I think it was about 160 yards, 159 on, on 31 carries, a touchdown. We, we talked before this, you know, it almost feels like he's becoming underappreciated because these big performances are just so ho-hum for him. You, you almost expect it. And, you know, People don't just, they just don't seem to talk about it anymore, but he's got, if, if he's not the backbone of the offense, he, he's just too good. But someone who there is, you know, we, we wondered about coming in was Naheem Hines, how he would be used in this offense. Uh, he did, he did get a handful of touches, had a, a handful of, of catches, some runs that people don't always love to see up the gut with their smaller running back. But overall, what did you think of, of Naheem in this, in this offense with Matt Ryan? I kind of wanted to see him a little bit out wide, like a little bit more. But I think for the most mm-hmm. part, Naeem Hines uh, played really well. And honestly, I think we're talking about Hines as kind of one of the X factors in this win if Blankenship makes that kick. Because if you guys remember what got the Colts into field goal range, they put Naeem Hines out wide in the slot. He had one-on-one against a linebacker. And I remember I was telling my dad, who I was watching with, I was like, this mm-hmm. is an easy first down for the Colts here. Yeah. Uh, Hines beats him really easy uh, uh, on a little uh, quick glance route. And and they get the first down, which put them into field goal range. So I, I think we're talking better about obviously got everyone's performance if they win. But Naim Hines, I think I think he played well. You know, five catches, forty-eight yards, had a couple mm-hmm. uh, little runs as well. Um, I, again, I want to see more of him at receiver, but overall, I have no real complaints with how he played. Yeah, he had nine touches overall. I think if you get him to ten or whatever, you know, you probably want him touching the ball about ten times a game, but. I think it goes to show, especially on that slant you were talking about, he can be incredibly dangerous in that role. So good looking there. Michael Pittman, you talked about, he was one guy that looked good all game. This was one of his better performances of his career. Uh, Caught nine of 13 targets for 121 yards and a touchdown. What I liked most about that performance was he caught, he caught the ball in a lot of different scenarios, but something I've wanted to make sure of what was going to happen this season was that he'd, get more shots over the middle and more opportunities to create yards after the catch. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. A lot of dig routes, a lot of uh, like deep in routes and stuff like that. He was getting a lot of the middle of the field stuff. I mean, honestly, I think this is what we're going to see from him all year. He's the top dog in this offense. uh, And he's a guy where, you know, if you have a top corner, like, like the Texans today, we're putting Stingley on him and a lot of snaps, Mm -hmm. you know, if if you have your top corner, you're going to want him on Michael Pittman jr. Because he's going to be the top dog in this offense. I think we're going to see, uh, just a huge season from Michael Pittman Jr. And this was just the start of it. So uh, hats off to him for such a great game. And and I expect this to keep going, uh, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks as well. He's, he's going to be phenomenal this year. Yeah, I'll just make a quick footnote on the tight ends. They they had an okay day. You know, they they just kind of had those little security catches and, and whatnot, the hurry up offense catches. But I want to give you the floor to talk about the offensive line a little bit for the rest of this segment. Yeah, man, it was uh... – it was just a train wreck. I, I don't like, and honestly, you know, it's funny if you come into this game and you say, okay, the Colts were going to allow, like, I don't really think the Colts gave up that many pressures or anything like that. I think just the run game was bad. There was not a lot of synergy overall up front, but if you came into this game telling me that the Colts were going to give up some pressures, you know, a couple sacks here and there and stuff like that, I would have said, oh gosh, Matt Pryor and Danny Pinter were getting beat, but it was Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith on a lot of these, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in the early game, cause you know, Jonathan Taylor to start the game, I think had nine carries for like 25 yards. Uh, yeah. Those guys were, were like, you know, he was not effective. And those two were a big part of that. You know, they just, man, I don't know. It was just, uh, 
I don't know what's going on with those two players. Uh, Brandon Smith obviously got beat by by Jerry Hughes a couple times very cleanly. Uh, Ryan Kelly, I, I think, has been an issue for the last you know two years now for the Colts. Uh, they they got to figure it out because uh, honestly, Danny Pinter and Matt Pryor were not amazing. I'm not trying to sing their praises here, but I would expect them to not be amazing. Uh, the yeah. two guys that you're paying over 15 million dollars a year, you know, at right tackle and at center, uh, you need them to step up and and. Since you know, since the end of 2020, we have not seen either of those guys step up. So it's show. I hate it when trends show their ugly faces, and we're starting to see trends in those two players where they're not really living mm-hmm. up to their pay. Uh, so that really needs to change going forward because the Colts cannot afford to be paying that much money to two guys that are not playing like it. Right, and they've done some cross training with some guys here and there, and I know offensive line takes a while to to mesh especially early on we, we've talked about the last few years i feel like, like offensive line play early in the season is pretty bad on a lot of right. teams but still that's veterans who you're supposed to plug them in and forget it like you're, you're not supposed to have to worry about them at all so that is definitely concerning eh, i i don't what can what can you do about that i mean that's right. been your starting five the entire year like going right. through the spring so that's that's a tough spot Right, right. And guys, we were just talking about the Colts offense. And if you said greater than to Jonathan Taylor's mark of 100.5 rushing yards, then you might be sitting back happily today, as long as you don't care about the whole Colts winning or anything like that. You know, that's if you care more about money than the Colts winning, then you probably, you know, you could be feeling good about this. But if you're into making picks and are a fan of either ors, uh, then using the prize picks app would be a breeze uh, for you, just like it is with us. Pick two to five players if the, if they score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, whether it's Colts uh, in the NFL or MLB, PGA, MMA, or even disc golf. They've got everything. Even disc golf. <laughs> Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Their withdrawals are safe and fast, and they are currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Price Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. And guys, it's also time that we have to tell you about our friends at Home Field. You've probably heard us talk all about them by now, uh, but you've also seen what we're talking about with us modeling pieces from the new collection recently. I know not, we're not wearing them right now, but we've been wearing our home field gear quite a bit. Uh, home field is an apparel company that recently teamed up with the Indianapolis Colts for a six item collection, a hoodie, a crew neck, two t-shirts, joggers, and a jacket. It's been out for a few weeks now, so you definitely want to check it out. Home field is based out of Indy and was a natural choice for the Colts to want to partner with this new campaign. New customers can get 15% off their first purchase at Homefield with Locked On Colts at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Jake, let's talk about this defense. Mm. I it was a it was a fine game for them. Like, I don't yeah. the defense really didn't concern me too much. It was just one player had a really tough game. Uh, and it was Kenny Moore. Uh, and and again, we're talking trends. You know, when we talk mm. trends, you know, last year we kept going to bat this whole offseason saying, you know, Kenny Moore is a great corner. He just had a couple bad games at the end of last season. Well, we saw that carry into today. Now, I'm not going to say that both those defensive pass interference calls were completely justified. Uh, they were they were pretty weak to me. Yeah. Uh, but man, I don't know. The he just he 
didn't really make any plays in the ball today, like at all from what I saw. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that, I mean, he's always been pretty decent in coverage, but where his game really shined was those super instinctual plays that he would make. Just the plays that other guys just, it seems like they're incapable of making. But so I wonder if it's a confidence thing. I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's not my place to say that. But, it you know, with, with like you said, a downward trend right now, I would kind of wonder if, if that's part of it. Uh, but yeah, in coverage, he's given up some big things that have led to touchdowns or were touchdowns. So it's it's tough to say. I mean, I I'd like to say you know he's the type of player who will figure it out, especially with how smart he is, because it doesn't look like there's anything like physically wrong. It doesn't look like he's lost a step or anything. Uh, right. Just hasn't been there on time in, in certain spots. Um, but you know, outside of him, I thought Stephon Gilmore on the other side looked pretty good. Right. Um, there, you know, there was maybe a play here or there, but we didn't really have to hear his name too often. And I thought when he got targeted, he was right there with pretty decent coverage or was making a play on the ball. Yeah, he was the only secondary player that I would say was a plus player in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Brandon Faison was okay. Uh, I didn't really have too many issues with what he did out there. I don't think we saw Isaiah Rogers much at all in this one. I no, don't... I I legitimately can't recall seeing him today. He, I'm sure he got out there, but. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a little interesting that we didn't really see him out there. Uh, and then Nick Cross and Julian Blackman. I, I thought Blackman kind of struggled out there today. Um, I'm not going to fault him on both those touchdowns. I think that's more of the linebackers or maybe the slot corner on the other side. I, I got to rewatch the plays, but I really think that that should have been a situation where the linebackers got a little more depth and maybe match those routes. Uh, so I wouldn't put them fully on Blackman, but I do think you know there was a there's a quick screen that he missed a tackle, a couple running plays where he missed tackles. Nick Cross kind of looked like a guy out there. I didn't really, yeah. I didn't notice him good or bad in either way. So like, it's, it's whatever. So I didn't really have many positive things to say about the secondary. I just thought it was, you know, stuff on Gilmore, I think was, was good. <laughs> that was about it for the mm. secondary. Yeah. So, so Blackman, you know, the only like real blatant thing I saw from him was he bit hard on that flea flicker. Yeah, uh, and it looks one. bad on those OJ Howard touchdowns, but you and I, you, you talked about you know the the linebackers are supposed to carry that up more, so it makes it look like it's all on him when he's the last one there reacting to it. But that's something they're going to have to get better at because if they're going to play that that coverage, tight ends are going to eat them alive up the seam throughout the year. So they're just going to absolutely figure that out. Um, so so starting up front, I kind of thought. The defensive line struggled a little bit uh, penetrating against the run game. Like I, I didn't, I didn't think the Texans really gashed them or anything like that, but I thought they could have done better getting better penetration into the backfield in the run game. And I thought Davis Mills was unbothered a lot today. Like Quiddy Pay really turned it up in overtime and got those two sacks, but I thought their pass rush could have been more potent. And I thought they could have harassed a little more in the run game. what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I think, for the run game, I'd say I had more issues with the linebackers in the run game, just fitting lanes and, and getting in there. And I think having Shaquille Leonard back will really clean that up there. So I'm not too concerned about the run game because also Grover Stewart was phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. uh, he was disruptive on every single play in the run game. And also had a couple nice rushing snaps, uh, you know, rushing yeah. the passers. So Grover he, Stewart he had a Yeah, Grover had a pair of tackles for loss. So he was definitely one of the bright spots of the front. Yeah, and a couple other where he just missed the guy or hit the running back in the backfield. He had a he had a big QB hit on Mills where Yannick Nagakwe got the roughing the passer, but Grover Stewart's was a, a clean pressure. Uh, so Grover Stewart was phenomenal this game. Nothing bad to say about him. But 
the two guys that you are, again, paying a lot of money to, Yannick Nagakwe and DeForest Buckner, just were quiet for almost all of this game. Uh, I don't think Nagakwe had, like, any pressures on his own, like maybe, you know, a little bit later in the game. Uh, but mm-hmm. DeForest Buckner, I mean, he didn't show – I really didn't see him do anything until, like, overtime. I think he had one pressure. Like, and he had the fumble mm-hmm. recovery, too. Yeah. Uh, that was I, – I really didn't notice them whatsoever. And, you know, for this pass rush to really take that next step and be more than a laughing stock that it was last year – you need the guys that you're paying big money to, to to make big plays. Now, Quiddy Pay, great job in overtime, make two huge sacks, but he can't be the only one, you know, getting pressure. So, yeah, the defensive line I, I think was fine overall. Like it was adequate, but you got to see more pressure from those top two guys. Yeah, and then you, you mentioned the linebackers too, you know, and, and coverage and some run fits. I I hope to see a little more from Bobby Okereke. Uh, I thought he missed a couple tackles, just like came in too hot. And just was being impatient with how he approached guys. But yeah, it it wasn't a banner day for the defense. It wasn't terrible. Like I think they got put in some tough spots in a couple occasions, but defensively, I I think they'll be fine. We definitely want to see the pass rush increase because again, that's been one of their issues the last couple of years. So they have, they have the guys to do it. They just have to do it. And when they're, when they're matchups. Yeah. I think the, uh, the biggest issue with, the linebackers in this one is they were they were hitting the running backs so they were just falling backwards on a lot of them you know and and I think again with Shaquille Leonard I think that'll that'll clean up but yeah with the defense in general I mean we're we're what two bad pass interference potentially bad pass interference because again I'm not gonna go into ref screwing anybody or anything like that but we're, we're two pass interference calls away from the Colts allowing six points when their offense was trying to give the ball away as much <clears> as possible <throat> to the Texans yeah. and their kicker was kicking the ball out of bounds every single time. Yeah. So, I mean, the defense, I don't have too many issues with how the defense played. It's just, you know, the red zone defense could have been better on those two, on those two uh, uh, seam routes and, and they could have got more pressure, but overall, you know, I think Gilmore looked fine. Grover looked fine. Buckner again, I, I think it was all right. You just want to see a little bit more. So I'm not I'm not too upset about the defense right now. Mm-hmm. Shoot, I think that's all I got for the defense. What about you? <laughs> that's all I got. I mean, we could talk more about Blankenship <laughs> then. <laughs> you want to talk more? I don't think I don't think we need to. Look, I'll I'll say again. Yeah. I, again, all this would be <clears> so much easier to talk about and digest if we're talking about a 23 to 20 win right now. Mm-hmm. You could you could say, hey, we got to clean some things up, but hey, they got to win. But right now we're talking about a tie because one player could not do the one job that they were given. So you got to cut them. You got to cut them, and you got to never use a kicker again because all kickers suck. All right, I just got to throw that out there. Yeah. So obviously, obviously Zach is a little biased with his hatred of kickers, but no, it's. I mean, there's a lot of different fingers you can point from this game, but I mean, the truth is, this fell on everybody, coaching and players alike. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll digest a little more. I, you're out of control. I am, we'll we'll I digest this a little more and, and get back into more of it tomorrow. Uh, plus, we got some good guests coming up throughout the week. Um, we do, we do. But but yeah, it's uh, I, I I think we're gonna put a bow on this one for today. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at Jake Arthur NFL for the very professional and and reasonable takes at Zach Hicks too for all the memes and snark. Uh, you guys, you know, whichever is more of your flavor, if you go on that, uh, you can follow at Locked On Colts on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube. Uh, that's where we are posting this lovely live stream right now. And if you guys are listening to this, and uh, you know, through audio, you can go over to YouTube and see all the live stream and stuff that we did. 
and, and you know, wherever you guys listen to your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, leave some comments. You guys have been awesome with that lately. And uh, thanks again for making Locked On Colts your first listen every day, except maybe today it's a little bit later. So get it. Uh, came, come, <laughs> come hang with us tomorrow as we take a deeper dive into this matchup and provide some more context for what we saw on Sunday. Now make your second listen the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout, NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.